Greetings and welcome to Resistance Recovery. Resistance Recovery is dedicated to the exploration of any and all topics related to recovery, spirituality, and culture. Join us as we interview thought leaders working at the edges of cultural transformation. My name is Piers Kanuka, and I'll be your host. afternoon everyone <coughs> and I am very happy to be speaking with Ari Torreson a second time. I think we spoke the first time in December of last year so much has happened in the world. Um, I would like to talk about his book. This was one or two books ago. It's called Transforming Demons. The true story of how a seeker resolves is karma. And I found this to be um, a very timely book. Uh, speaks to this moment in a lot of ways. So in the beginning of the book, Ari, you, you take us back to the end of the Atlantean times and you talk about there being a, um, a, a great sin which separated or blocked people from the power of the heart. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> and what's so striking about this is, as I read the book and as I reflect on life today, you can see that this, this thing has played out and now it's, it's reached a um, biblical proportions. So it's something that is really affecting the earth now and humanity. Um, and then you also say that forgiveness for this sin must be made or come from natura. So this, this cutting the human off from the heart also has this profound effect on the earth. Yes, yeah. <clears throat> And then you take us for a period of time, we talk about the elementals and you say that uh, the, the quote is, um, the elementals materialize whatever they pick up in the thoughts or feelings of mankind. So this means that when we're cut off, disconnected from the heart, that impacts the elementals. Yes, everything, everything we do, everything we say, everything we think is affecting the elemental world, which is the foundation of the physical world, of the whole creation. So with what we do, we actually influence the, the creation, the whole creational world, yes. And in Anthroposophy, Steiner says that there is a realm called the Eighth Sphere, oh. <clears throat> which is a difficult concept, but basically all of the activities and thoughts that are coming out of this, these arimonic forces mm. are creating a sphere. Um, and it's unclear that whether that's here or elsewhere. I tend to think it's both. But what, I guess my question is, are the elemental beings enlisted in the creation of the eighth sphere by human beings? But do our thoughts and feelings bring them into that realm? Well, <clears throat> this is uh, very interesting that you ask because that was from that book because um, after that book, there are one or two more books and this stays this uh, northern book on the northern initiation is published and i am just now writing on the next book and yesterday i was writing exactly what you here ask <laughs> you see when you go or travel or go through the northern initiation which took me some two years actually a whole life but then you, at the end 
after going through the elemental world, the three realms of the elemental world, then you meet the guardian of the threshold, which today, since about 1970s, is Vidar. Vidar, yes. Yeah. Not uh, Mikael or Michael. And I didn't know that. So when I came to this threshold, I met Vidar and uh, looked up in, in Steiner's work and in Prokofiev's work. And yes, it is. He is now the archangel and the guardian of the threshold, especially if you go the northern path of initiation. And what is interesting then, Vidar is then uh, teaching just like the guardian of the threshold in, in the class lessons of Steiner, class lectures. And I was asking about what is the most important knowledge to bring human beings today. And that he said or showed was the knowledge of the two additional bodies that is under development in our being. We all know about the, <clears throat> that we have the physical body, etheric body, astral body, I. We also know that we have the aromatic double and the luciferic double. And we know also through both Steiner and especially maybe Judith von Halle, that we are building up <clears throat> a, a resurrection body. And this resurrection body is built up whenever we infuse the Christ consciousness in our thinking or being or actions. But there is another aspect of that. Because in secret, and I don't know how clear Steiner is about that. <clears throat> In secret, the Arimanic Asuric beings, they are building up their body, which Vida referred to as the death body. Mm. So simultaneously, simultaneously, we build up the resurrection body and the death body. Uh, I would like actually somebody to help me with finding <laughs> quotes from Steiner because I'm sure he has somehow mentioned it somewhere. But this death body is every time we think a thought or feeling that is infused or based on the Arimanic way or worldview or the Assyric way or worldview these beings sort of snatch the elementals of that atom or, or even um, elemental beings of the vacuum, which is called the Asuric or the Asuric beings, elementals of life and death. And this is building up this, this uh, death body, which, where, which, uh, only can live in what we call the eighth sphere. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. they are sort of created, created. We are not taking the elemental beings. We are creating new elemental beings, which will create our body in the eighth sphere. So are we creating them anew, or are we transforming the ones that are here? There are two possibilities. We create new, or we transform. We can do both. Because, so in the book, very striking, you talk about Jesus and the swine from the Gospels. Yeah. And you talk about that the only resurrection for the elementals as well is to go through the threshold of death and return to the earth so that hmm. they may be re resurrected. Hmm. 
which really sheds a lot of light on that's a fairly dark image of the demons entering the swine and then going over the cliff. But you meant you say something that I'd never seen in Steiner. You said later in the book, you said the Arimonic beings can go across the threshold of death if they are willing to. Hmm. And Steiner had always said something to the effect of that we have this Arimonic being that's with us for our life, mm. but then for a, a few days before we die, he leaves us. Mm. Leaves. So has something changed now where the Arimonic beings are crossing into the threshold of death or there's some sort of, uh, the human can aid them in this? Has something changed? Yeah, <clears throat> you know, um... In 1879, uh, the uh, elemental realms of the Luciferic forces opened sort of to human being. Steiner expressed it as uh, um, uh, what they were cast down into the human consciousness. So, but that was mainly the Luciferic beings. Uh, in around 1950, or more exactly 1949 to put a date, they opened the elemental realm open to the Arimanic uh, beings. That was actually forbidden to talk about at Steiner's time. And when Hilma of Klint, the Swedish, yeah, the Swedish uh, painter, she painted a series of spiritual paintings and she saw, showed them to Steiner and he said you, that you must not show them to anybody you should not show them to anybody until 1950 and of course she did not accept that <laughs> which artist would mm -hmm. but these when I then during this uh, Nordic uh, initiation way entered the deeper realm of the elemental world where the Arimanic beings are living or are, are, then I recognized these paintings that is taken out of the Arimanic area. And then you go on even further, that was in uh, 49, then in 2019, 70 years more, the Asuric area was more open to human beings. But the most interesting is that when human beings enter the Arimanic area, they can connect deeper with the Arimanic beings and it is possible for them to follow them further and not uh, disappear before death. Mm. But at Steiner's time, it was impossible to do that. To your knowledge, are any anthroposophists writing about this? I don't know. Yeah. Um, and for the, for the audience, if you haven't seen Hilma of Clint's paintings, there are these quite remarkable geometric uh, patterns uh, with color. Yeah. 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 And she had some passing knowledge of, yeah, she met Steiner, that's right. Yes. Yeah. And she showed this picture to him and he said that these shouldn't be uh, done. These shouldn't be painted. This area where you have found this is forbidden, he said. And you should not show it to anybody because when you go there, you might be crazy. And that is the Armanic area of the elemental world where human beings were allowed around 1949-50 and then also could use the atomic force. Mm -hmm. It is the force connected to the Arimanic part. And then later, 70 years later, you can venture into the Asuric part where, and they live in the vacuum. And there you can actually then harness the vacuum force, which is Steiner described as a, a terrible force. 
which uh, human beings cannot yet uh, wield or harness. But in I was down in CERN, CERN uh, last year, and there they told me that I now they started actually 2019 <laughs> when it opened. They try now to uh, create the absolute vacuum, what I call the absolute vacuum, uh, to harness this force. And I don't really know what I do. And you're referring to CERN where they have, what is it, a yeah. great semiconductor? Yeah. yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. On the border between Switzerland and France, yes. So once again, we are, <laughs> we are playing with things that we do not understand. No. Yeah. So then you spend a, a bit of time discussing um, some of the magic or some of the occult practices that are used, that, are, uh, that take advantage of the energy that results, I assume largely etheric energy, that results from this separation of, from the heart. Yeah. And, and early on you talk about very specifically the use of, of metallic rings, uh, silver and gold. And then also you talk about there being the use of a vine to separate mm. the heart from the will forces. Mm. But then you said later on in, in the 21st century, you became aware of um, there being various uh, healing modalities, occult lodges, and even political movements that also unwittingly take, take this, uh, well, it's not unwitting on their part, but they take the power, this power from people. Mm. <clears throat> so that was very, very striking because um, so this is, yeah, this is repeating itself in our time, actually. And why I, uh, as I, <laughs> in old times, have done this myself, I recognize it very well. And um, I have actually my whole life been more or less connected to these groups who do this practice. And uh, I mentioned it, maybe maybe I should tell you about one of these uh, uh, experiences where I, I met these groups. Yes. And I turned it off, so. <clears throat> because in uh, the most obvious and least, less, provoking because there are some uh, provoking uh, observations too where where dark left hand groups they um, they harvest etheric energy from anthroposophic installations and that i will maybe leave now because it provoked too many but uh, i will tell but maybe they can uh, can uh, recognize it from this one story. Uh, in in Scandinavia, there is a big school of uh, alternative medicine. It's called Heilpraktikerskole uh, Schule Scandinavicum in Latin, but it's also um, uh, German, and they teach. Uh, alternative therapies to a lot of people, uh, acupuncture, putzone therapy, and so on, homeopathy, and so on. So I um, visited one of these weekends where this school had a teacher from Germany. So I felt he really had some spiritual background. So I asked to, to uh, visit him in his clinic in Germany, and he said, yes, do that. So I took the train down, and I um, came to his clinic, and I stayed there one week. And uh, I, the first thing I realized was that uh, most of his patients were 
people who more or less were attached to the to the you might say um, so uh, Nazi Nazi groups and uh, old Nazi or neo-Nazi. Mm -hmm. So I um, uh, stayed there and one of the last days he said, I should invite you to dinner, he said, in my house because I'm, my wife is died, has died. And uh, yeah, he invited me to dinner. And then I came in the evening and he opened uh, the main door and I came into the hall. And the first thing I saw was a huge uh, picture of uh, Christ on the cross, but it was upside down. Mm -hmm. And then I, I, I felt a little, <clears throat> okay. So I went <laughs> into the living room and started to, and he served me a dinner. And then I observed that uh, one of the pictures he had on the wall, actually from his late wife, was pulsating uh, deadly energy towards him, towards his heart. Mm. So I said, are you aware that this picture is, is not good for you? And he, he got upset. I later understood why. And then he went over to the picture and turned it. And then he got immediately a heart attack and uh, fainted. So I started uh, his heart massage. And then after a short while, he came back to uh, consciousness. And he said, now you have saved my life twice. First by making me turn the picture and the second time by doing the heart massage. So now I will tell you actually the truth behind all this. And then he said that he belonged to this association of black magicians who have found out that the easiest way to harvest energy today is in alternative medicine. You know, in, uh, in the assassins in old times, the easiest way to harness was to kill people or pilgrims. And, but today, they, they cannot do that easily. Mm -hmm. The police will knock on their door. But alternative medicine and also other things, which I will, uh, in anthroposophic, it's from spiritual people, it's easiest to harvest energy. And that's why they... This group was called the Tule group and uh, was sprung out of the old Nazi black magic group. And um, when every time they, um, these students that they teach alternative medicine do a healing, 10% of the energy is harvested by these groups. So the healers themselves aren't necessarily aware that this is happening. Not at all. Yeah. They think they do good. Yeah. And then I started to uh, measure. I was starting to, um, to see or to measure in my, uh, at the clinics of my, uh, my colleagues at certain anthroposophic uh, at, uh, devices, certain water, um, water devices that sort of energize water and so on. And I found so often that 10% of the etheric energy disappeared from before and after. Mm. That was in homeopathy. It can be in the making of remedies. It can be in the, in the clear, in the cleansing of water. It can be in the treatment of patients. Um, Benevista, you know, uh, Benevista, this uh, famous scientist that uh, 30, 40 years ago proved that homeopathy worked. I guess you remember him, Jacques Benevista. I, I, I yeah. yeah, a French scientist, he proved that uh, homeopathy worked and his article was taken in into um, a very famous journal. Um, what 
journal was it? The science journal. So it was um, an uproar in the scientific circles because this couldn't be, because homeopathy can't work. So then they sent a group of three to his laboratory. Somebody said, and I met this Benevista in Paris once, and he told me the story. And they touched his apparatus, his devices, his apparatuses. Um, and uh, from that point, it didn't work. He was unable to prove it. Wow. And they took out this energy, all the homeopathic remedies, so it didn't work. So, uh, and he actually understood what was done. And uh, because he, uh, Benevista, you know, he presented himself as an ordinary scientist. Uh, and uh, at that time, he was uh, uh, one of the best scientists in France. And he was very careful not to present himself as a spiritualist. But he told me that he was actually clairvoyant and could see these things. Mm. But that was kept because he wanted his, uh, uh, his scientific career. So this method has been used since Atlantis, this harvesting of energy and use it in a black magic way. Uh, and how it is done is by like uh, described in the book like it was very uh, obvious by keeping the astral or the eye or the etheric or the physical somewhat apart to separate when you do that by force or in other ways then you can actually tap into this energy in this gap and well, this was maybe more than you asked for <laughs> no 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 it's really getting right to the heart of everything um so and it's it seems to be all related to this middle sphere this heart realm mm. yeah does it, it begins with being out of touch with this yes yes so if you then activate what I call the Christ consciousness or the Christ mm -hmm. energy in this middle, mm -hmm. then you make it impossible. Mm -hmm. That is the solution. Then you cannot translocate. Then you have to transform these energies where they are and not translocate them. And uh, also another thing, when you cannot translocate, then you cannot also then... Um, left hand uh, magicians cannot then use it either. Yeah. Is it fair to say that to the extent that the anthro anthroposophical movement neglects the Christ is what allows these forces to even come in, these, 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 these magicians uh, groups to come into the anthroposophical movement? Yes, I would say so. Yeah. So, in, uh, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but in reading your book, so coming into some heart Christ space involves what you say, a complete renunciation of power or the desire for power. Yeah. Yes. And, but built into a lot of healing is a power dynamic where you're the healer and I'm the sick person. Yes. So, what happens to that power dynamic when the healer is now heart Christ-centered? Yeah, that is <clears throat> quite interesting because when I realized this, I uh, thought that I must bring this knowledge to my colleagues. And I invited myself to um, all German, that was Switzerland, uh, Austria and Germany, craniosacral therapy congress. And in craniosacral therapy, you know, they feel the craniosacral rhythms. They feel this rhythm is too strong here, too weak here. And then they use their power and 
take them back into sort of a, a still point, and then they start to move again, if you know craniosacral therapy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And then you, you use your power. You become powerful. You do this to the patients. And then I presented on this Congress this other way to go through the middle point uh, where there is nothing wrong. So I, I used a long time to explain to the leader, don't treat the excessive rhythm, don't treat the deficient rhythm, just go in the middle where there is nothing wrong. And she said, well, how can I treat something that is not wrong? And we had a long talk about it actually in, in this audience. But at the end, she, I, I, I made her do that, treat or have a certain Christ consciousness in the middle, bring Christ into where it is nothing wrong. And then you exert no power. And she said, wow. And then by doing the middle, they both equalized and the patient was cured without the use of power. And that is also why you don't translocate because if you go, let's say you, have, you are two, two young boy, boys who fight and you want to stop it. And then you take one in the one hand and the other in the other hand and you use your power and then they just run away and fight another place. <laughs> or you go into the middle and use no power. Try to be kind, make them understand and so on. And that is the Christ consciousness. The Christ consciousness is actually turn, love your enemy and turn the other cheek. And that is totally without power. And then it is impossible for the left-hand societies to take this 10% of etheric energy and misuse it. And it is also uh, impossible for the uh, pathological um, entities, the elemental, the, that has to do with this disease, to translocate. They have to transform. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that got me uh, thinking that um, uh, that healing the way you just described is always um, uh, it's always between, it's always in the, the space between entities yes. or, or organ systems. Yes. Always so, between. Yes. And so like, that means, yeah. No, you, go ahead. you go ahead. Yeah. Like on Golgotha, you had the Luciferic side, you had the Arimanic side and Christ without power in between. That is the total, so clear picture of it all. And no. they said, you are so powerful. Why don't you just step down? And he didn't. Yeah. So that means healing is always relational. Yes. Yeah. Um, oh. <laughs> um, that's a lot. That's a lot. But it paints this picture that is so, um, it's so now, because I, I, I sense that the, the, the death body is building up at such a rapid pace now that it's, it's almost suffocating. Mm. And yet that doesn't, uh, how to talk about this, but that does not in any way mean that the, uh, the powerless power of the Christ is any less potent. Yeah. So it's not like you're having some battle and this side is winning and this side is not. It's more, it's more uh, interpenetrated or homeopathic or something. I don't know how to think about it. But you can introduce this heart Christ thing into the most Arimonic space. Yes. The, the, for, the force of the Arimonic does not overcome the Christ. You can introduce it actually everywhere. 
in all creation, in all realms of the elemental world, in all uh, devices that is created by humans, in electromagnetic radiation, in 5G, in the vaccine, which is much discussed now. I myself had COVID two or three times, the disease. Uh, and that helped me a lot to penetrate into the depth of the spiritual world. But then I realized I had so many of my patients who were uh, hurt by the vaccine. And then I went up to the center here and I said, give me a vaccine. So I took the vax, the, what they call it, the jab. <laughs> I took the jab. And then I followed, and you know, in the vaccine, there are Asuric beings. Asuric and then, beings. Yeah, because the COVID is related to Asuric forces. And so then you, you took the jab in your body? Yes. And then I followed it towards my heart because this, uh, both the corona disease and the vaccine, goes, attacks the the uh, the pericardium the blood and the pericardium you get the pericarditis that is a very common symptom after the vaccine so it goes to the pericardium and i followed it there and it was very easy then i inserted christ in the middle and it started to shine and then I had this very interesting experience because those of my patients who came with problems after the vaccine, it was one woman, she was paralyzed actually from the vaccine. And then this closeness or the uh, coming to me with this actually healed them. And this particular a woman that I uh, mentioned who was paralyzed and was really um, destroyed by the vaccine after being uh, treated by me after I had put the Christ in the middle of the vaccine in myself uh, Katarina Emmerich did the same things with the uh, diseases by the way Yeah. then um, she came the second time back and said this is highly interesting. I have never been able to paint in my life. Now I can paint. She became an artist from that one treatment. And that is so then it is a transformation of the Asuric forces or the Asuric beings in the vaccine. So by taking the vaccine, you know, so many today, especially spiritual people, they say, I don't want the vaccine. I don't want the disease. I don't want this. And that is not what Steiner said. Steiner said, don't push it away. Take it in and transform it. That is the right thing. But this is very difficult to say and very political. Oh, I bet it is difficult to say. <laughs> so, so I would say, take the vaccine and put the Christ in the middle. So I'm not for Trump or whatever to say this. Or Don't bring that in. <laughs> I, I won't. I personally no. So when you worked with that woman, but did you leave her with, did you, as, as part of the therapy, did you leave her with how to keep, keep visiting, keep working with this herself independently? No. no. And that is the interesting thing. You see, when you have done this, in yourself, in your person, then you as a person work healing. So then what you do is not important. It is your you who are important. Right. That's, and that's probably what was so troubling to the biodynamic, uh, to the sacral person, because you're saying, yes, no, no technique. Yeah. No, no will. Yes. Be. And you know, when I had demonstrated that this uh, patient become cured by this, I thought, okay, next year I will be invited to this Congress. They even pay for my travel. Nothing happened because uh, those who are in power, 
those who are teachers who have written books who have all the techniques and all this yeah. i hate that because this is without technique you don't even have to make a diagnosis yeah it it, it makes my mind just uh, what is the future what would the yeah. future what, what would be the the culture that came out of that yeah that would be a Christian culture and not a culture based on knowledge and power. Yeah. And those who know everything about TCM or craniosacral therapy or homeopathy, you know, homeopathy is goes on the symptoms. And the homeopaths themselves say that it translocates. You have the herring law, the law herring. Yeah the father of homeopathy in America. He said it's push, homeopathy should push the disease from inside out or from upside down or like that. And then it goes out. He described mm. translocation. Yeah. That is no healing. 99% yeah. of all treatments in homeopath, craniosacral therapists, acupuncturists, and so on, it just pushes the diseases on to the next person. Mm -hmm. And then you pay the therapist and you create this karma because you cause somebody else. And then the, uh, the therapist, he, he earned from you and then the next person come and he pushes this <laughs> yeah. further well, on. And in America, increasingly, we, we, we think of disease states or even things like alcoholism, we yeah. don't talk about healing. We just talk about chronicity. Yeah. Yeah, so you, you must be constantly getting these interventions for the remainder of your life. Yes. Yeah. This is amazing. Um, with I've kept you for a while, but do you mind talking a little bit about the Northern Mysteries? And, and, and maybe a good place to start is the being of Vidar. What is oh, this? Yeah. What are the qualities? The qualities of Vidar. Okay, Vidar. Uh, around nineteen seven in the seventies, nineteen seventies. Some say nineteen seventy nine. Michael, Michael, Michael was appointed the work of the Archai, mm -hmm. and Vidar was appointed the work of the. Um, of the Nordic stream to be the face of Christ in from the north towards Europe. And that is today the most important stream of bringing Christ to human beings. And that has its center in Scandinavia. And this stream, um, he is now an archangel. Vidar, he has at his side, and that is how I met him when I came to the threshold. I met this guardian and I said, who are you? And he said, I am Vidar. And this here on my left side is Balder. And Balder is the, the bringer of the new clairvoyance, according to Steiner and Prokofiev and others. So Vidar and Balder, are now bringing the new clairvoyance to enable people to see Christ in the etheric world. And we are, as anthroposophists, we talk very much about, um, about Mikael. And we should bring this consciousness that Vida is now doing the work of Mikael as an archangel. Or as also with the supervision of Mikael, of course. Mm. But he is the uh, bringer of the face of the Christ. And interesting enough, um, this Vidar uh, was very known and Baldur was very well known to the old Vikings and the Nordic um, 
knowledge. And this was uh, kept in two, two big centers. Uh, it was called, called the Drotten Mysteries. Drotten and or Druid Mysteries. Mm. And these two centers, it was so interesting because uh, Harry Salman, he made a uh, presentation of these two centers up here in Oslo. And he said one was in the Solov Sol Solovsky Islands in the White Sea. And the other was a place called Shiringsal. Mm. And he didn't know, and I was sitting there, and he didn't know where Shiringsal was. And one a participant, who a woman who actually was Norwegian, she asked, this Shiringsal, is that a sort of real place or it is some sort of Shangri-La? And then I stood up and said, that's actually exactly where I live. Really? Where you I live now? I live in the center of Shiringsal. <laughs> and that was the first capital of Norway mm. 15, 1500 years ago. And I just bought a little farm there in the center of the first capital. Then the second capital was Bergen, Bergen, West, West Coast. Then the third was Oslo. Mm. And a thousand or fifteen year, hundred years ago, there were three main capitals in Scandinavia. It was Schiringsal in Norway, it was Birka in Sweden, and Hedeby in Denmark. So now I have a little farm, 10 acres in the middle of the capital of Norway, which if it still had been the capital, it would cost, you know, millions to buy. Yeah. But I got it very, very cheap. Hmm. Um, $500,000 something, $400,000. No, it was $200,000. How do we relate to Vidar uh, with Michael Mikael? He 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 is there to help us, but he waits for our initiative. Has anything changed with Vidar? How does one approach this being? Yeah, and then it is um, that is uh, Steiner brought that to uh, Helsinki, the Finns, in nineteen twelve. Then he described how to approach Vidar. And this is also described in the Finnish national epos called Kalevala. And it is also described in Parsifal. And it is- There's different names though, yeah? Yes, of course. No, no, the, the, the method is described in this. Um, the most interesting is uh, Kalevala. In the 50th song in Kalevala, you know, the 49 first songs is about, um, about uh, developing the, uh, the thinking, the feeling, and the willing, or the soul parts. And then we have the 50th song. And that is about Mariatta, a very beautiful, very beautiful 16-year-old girl. <laughs> who doesn't know of any man and lives with her mother and father in the forest. Mm. And then one day she go out into the forest and it is snow. And those who have read, you have probably not read Kalevala, but you have read Parsifal. Yes. And think about when Parsifal rides out in the middle of May and it has been snowing and mm. you see three blood drops in the snow. Have that in your uh, back head. So Marietta, she go out into the snow and there she see a lingonberry. And this, and then she look and look and look at the lingonberry and she fades into it, just like Parsifal in the blood drops and she loses herself in it. And then the lingonberry suddenly elevates um, uh, hover over the snow towards her, go up in front of her, in through the mouth, down through her body and into her uterus. And in that moment, she's pregnant. And to make a long story short, she gets a child and Steiner 
does not describe this child as a Christ child or something. He say that it is Christ. So by doing this Nordic way of initiation, which is the macrocosmic, it is fading into the surrounding, the nature especially, then you can penetrate all the three realms of the elemental world that opened in 1879, 1949, and 2019, come to the threshold, meet Vidar, and then behind Vidar, you meet Christ. That is the Nordic way of initiation which I describe in my book, who actually was published today, I think, or yesterday. In English as well? Yes, it is only in English, yes. Oh, so and that is called, that is called uh, traveling, traveling the Northern way of initiation, meeting with Vidar and the teachings of Vidar least a part of the teaching because this teaching now for me goes on I, I write about this every day actually and write down these teachings and one of the teachings was as i started with the death body yeah which we are not aware of enough the timing the timing is just stunning yeah everything's just um well, I hope to talk to you again about that book then. Yes. <laughs> we, we do that tomorrow. tomorrow. <laughs> I have to buy it first. <laughs> as soon as you get it and read it. All right. Very good. Um, can I keep you on for a few minutes after we stop recording? Yes. All right. Well, everyone, I hope you got as much out of that as I did. And Ari, thank you so, so, so much. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. For more information, you can find us at resistancerecovery.com.